these combos. We gon' show you how the world goes. AG's combos. We gon' show you how the world goes. AG's combos. We gon' show you how the world goes. Take a look at the world we living in. It's falling apart. Uh -huh. Put the glass muscle and guns, but don't show hard. Uh -huh. Time to spark a conversation. Let that be a lesson. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to AG's Convos. Back in the PCB studios with my man, Ken Smith. What's happening, bro? What up, though, people? What's happening to America? What is happening to America? I, Literally, that's oh, a question yeah, now, man. It's always something, man. I always want to know what's up. Man. Every Wednesday, we got a new idea of something going on. We got a new headache to deal with. Yeah. And this time, it's... This, dude, this... <laughs> This George Floyd case, man, I got I got a, I got a lot of ideas or a lot of uh, uh, feedback on this fucking case, man. But are you watching it at all? I'm not watching. Uh, I, don't, I don't tune in, but I've been reading and and you know you you can't get past it if you're on uh, the internet. You can't. Period. So I it's mean, a big deal. You're gonna because everybody's. Uh, I've been hearing all the uh, the witnesses yeah. getting on the stand. And yeah. uh, saying what they accounted and seen, and uh, it's real crazy, man. You know, we're gonna get into that here real quick. Um, but our man Alonzo is calling, so let's uh, let's get him on the phone. Right. So I would love to hear an inmate's perspective on this yes, whole situation. Yeah. Alonzo yeah. Quinney. Yes, sir. How's it going? Welcome, welcome back. Links not chains. Yeah, Links not chains. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, bro? Yeah, it's a live viewing. I got some brothers with me, man. Who we talking to? You know, this time, I got Brother Briscoe and Brother Chuck. Man, I want to introduce these guys. And, uh, you know, these guys got something to say. I know uh, we haven't talked since last week, so. All right. I know you probably got some, some things you want to talk about. Yeah, we got a couple and, topics. Uh, I, well, you know, man, we uh, we're kind of enthralled in this Derek Chauvin, George Floyd case. You know what I mean? And it's really got me to thinking about some of the feedback that I'm hearing on TV. Like, why didn't he just follow directions to begin with? Why didn't he just do this? Why didn't this just happen? Why didn't that just happen? And I think in a lot of cases, man, we've got a we've got a fucked up perspective about what it means to be in charge. You know what I mean? And what it means to be a cop, because by definition, a police officer should command the respect of the public because he's supposed to be providing a service for the public. But what we see in the black community more times than not is police officers demanding our respect. They're trying to force it out of us. And I don't think people realize the difference between the two as it relates to how 
we associate with one another. So I want to dig into that a little bit of, you know, just the difference between what it means to command somebody's respect and to demand somebody's respect and how in a situation like a public service situation, that could really cause a lot of conflict when you start demanding something, but it's clearly evident that you're not entitled to it. So the second half of the topic that I want to talk about is the difference between excuse me, cockiness and confidence, right? For a, for a cocky cop to demand respect, you're asking for trouble. You know what I mean? And that's a personality thing. You know, if you're the right guy for the job, we shouldn't have any of these problems. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But, you know, what I would like to know as it relates to those two things is when you're an inmate and you're in the yard or you're in the cafeteria or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm sure there's a lot of hostility sometimes when some of these different affiliations come through, different groups, gangs, family members, whatever y'all refer to yourselves as. How do you know, you know, how do you, how can you tell the difference between the guy that's just looking for trouble by demanding that you respect him for one reason or another or a guy that just literally deserves your respect? So I think about you and Avi, right? And something tells me that your role in the lives of the guys that are participating in the AV program, it commands their respect. You don't have to force them to listen. You don't have to force them to respect you. They do it organically because okay. they appreciate right, so, you. So listen, let me give you this then. Like, from my point of view, respecting you is pretty much everything. Absolutely. You know, you can, you can find yourself in, in, in some real-life situations. And, you know, while I got these brothers here, man, I think that the position that I hold and the relationship that I have with these men, you know, I want you to really get a, a, a deep uh, thought from them. You hear me? Please. Because I got them in here, man. Uh, you know, this is Link's Not Change. So I'm going to pass the mic to Brother Briscoe. Okay. Now, how you doing today, good brother? Not bad at all, Briscoe. How are you? I'm alright, man. I appreciate you having us on, man. And I um, got a lot of um, love and respect for what y'all brothers doing. I appreciate and that. The, um, when we had these conversations concerning about the abuse of power, mm -hmm. concerning um, the police or the abuse of power or the neglect of judicial system concerning color folks mm -hmm. and um, anybody that's not what they would consider uh, the norm. I feel that racism is a mental health issue, just like anything else. You know what I'm saying? I like that. When you are grown or bred, you know what I'm saying, to disregard another man's or another, ma another female's skin tone just off of pure hatred. You know what I'm saying? That's a mental health issue that all of us need to sit down and actually just discuss. Mm -hmm. Because the blue uniform is not in opposition of black America. It's the person that's actually inside of the blue uniform. And just mm -hmm. because these people have these positions of power, especially when we talk about our public officials and everything, you feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It actually comes down to the mental health of those people in those positions. You got a lot of people with degrees, bachelor degrees and everything, but mentally they are decaying in areas that the public or even their family members don't know about. So that's where a lot of the abuse is initiated from. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
we need to stand a lot closer to each other than we actually do. And I, when, I, when I say that, I'm talking about from the family settings. You know what I'm saying? The black man must establish itself in this household before he can ever establish itself in this community and receive the respect of not only his community, but law enforcement. You understand what I'm saying? A hundred percent. We love each other outside of our own households. Right. That is a mental health issue. You know what I'm saying? And it don't it, it doesn't get passed down to the youth like it's supposed to get passed down to the youth in the household. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciate brothers like you that establish stages so brothers like us can have a voice in here because I have been a victim of systematic injustice. Brother Kemp is sitting here that he, he has been a, a victim of systematic injustice and so is Alonzo Queenie. So like I said, at the end of the day, it's about us educating ourselves concerning our community, law enforcement, and systematic injustice right there in the households in which we are being raised in, and that's not happening. That's why we see, that's why we are becoming victims every day concerning our communities and these people that have no heart or mental understanding about how we come up or how we should be raised. I completely understand. Now, let me let me add a little bit to that, because I think when you start when you start talking about the pathway of the black man as it relates to a institution and it's or a a figurehead in his own home, we can't ignore the fact that a significant population of our community of black men, there's more probably I won't say by numbers, but just. In general, there's there's too many in there with you, which means they can't communicate and connect with the people out here with us. So, you know, the the people that represent the black community, the men in the black community, they're thinner in numbers out here. It's people like myself and like Ken and some of the guys that we know, our community partners, our friends, our partner podcast hosts, you know, people who are trying to get the right message out. But we're outnumbered. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know, we start we try to talk to these teenage kids out here on the streets and it's like, hey, you gotta you gotta follow this path before it's too late. Well, you got one good dude right. trying to push them down the right line, and you got four bad dudes who are never given that opportunity to listen to somebody like me because y'all were already in jail for one reason or another. Right. A lot of which is systematic, so you couldn't have stopped it if you wanted to. You know, there's right. there's a few guys, myself included, that have found a way to avoid that environment. But I was just right. as susceptible to it as anybody else was. You know, me and Alonzo were pretty freaking close. You know what I mean? The only thing that right. stopped me from being where he was at the day he was there is the fact that I just happened to be doing something more constructive that day. You know what I mean? Right. But at the flip of a dime, I could have been in there with him and he could have been out here doing what I'm doing. So to know how much opportunity to motivate and to to communicate to our youth exists in your community, that tells me that without reaching into that community and giving you guys a voice to talk to people out here, then you're just muffled. And that, that takes out entirely too much of our population of black men with the wisdom and the intellect and the mindset to try to push dudes in the right direction. 
So with that being the case, how do you guys in that environment, in that community, how does the prison community affiliate itself with each other so that you can maintain one another's respect without it being this contentious, you know, battleground? How do y'all do that? Please do. How you doing, brother? I appreciate you for having me on, man. Absolutely. I we appreciate you being here. Like Hill Briscoe said, I really like what y'all doing, man. And uh, to me, this whole topic is touching, man, because as people, as minorities, we have a lack of respect for each other. You know what yes, I'm saying? Sir. And it's something, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, it's something called spiritual error. And the reason we have spiritual error is because there's an absence of spiritual knowledge. You know what I'm saying? And as people, we have to educate our youth. It got to start with us first, though. You know what I'm saying? This is why our kids is out there in the community doing what they're doing because of the absence of our fathers. You know what I'm saying? Us being here in prison, man. You know what I'm saying? So right. I believe respect is free. It doesn't cost anything. You know what I'm saying? You got to give what you, what you, you know, what you give out is what you got to get back in return. You That's know what right. I'm saying? I just feel like, man, as a convicted felon, man, God has me in the place, man, right now to educate the youth, man, and teach them about respect. You know, for instance, when I speak to the younger brothers, they sit around all day and call their woman's bees and she a bee this, she a bee that. But the minute that I step up and call your girl a bee, now you want to jump on me. But why? Because that's all I ever heard you call her. Right. I don't her name. I don't even know her and name, we right. We learn how to respect not just ourselves, but our women, you know what I'm saying, as well, man. So we got to start with us, man. And we got to go back each one, teach one, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's right. how we're going to do it up the communities, you know what I'm saying? By doing what we're supposed to do and showing the example of respect. We got to lead by example, man. That's, so we got to start with brothers like us, you know what I'm saying, while we here, man. That's exactly the answer I was hoping to get when I asked the question, how do y'all do it in there? It is a matter of leading by example. You know, I think one of the biggest issues when it comes to respect, like we said, this it starts in the home. And when the guys that are supposed to feed it to us are not in the home for one reason or another, I mean, we get this you know, this Debbie dad title on a fairly regular basis. All oh, these black guys out here making babies disappearing. We ain't trying to run from our responsibilities. You know what I mean? Sometimes we're taken away from them. George Floyd, I'm sure he was happy being a dad. You know what I mean? But somebody took that opportunity from him. And that's no different than throwing a man in jail. You know? That's true. That's true. So the fact that, the fact that guys with your mindset are in the prison system... You know, I, I remember telling Alonzo this not too long ago when we were talking about him possibly getting out of there. I'm like, you know, I can't wait to the day you get out of jail. But I'm sure AV means as much in there, if not 10 times more in there as it will out here. You know what I mean? You can still do good even in a bad place. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And trust me, that's why I'm reaching in there because I know where my resources are. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Kent. 
So let's dig into this a little bit. Yeah. Because I know it, it I kind of feel like we're all over the place. Yeah, we all we all over the place with this one because we had all those uh, point of views. Right. But um, the message is consistent. Though. It's consistent, though. It's extremely consistent. The the issue of police brutality, you know, Briscoe hit it on the head. This is a mental illness. Somebody in that blue suit, the bad cop, not bad, not all cops, the bad cop has a mental block that is stopping him from deserving the respect that he's demanding from the public. Yeah. And and it, and I think it's coming from the whole point of the way they're trained. They're, yeah. they're kind of trained to be that way. Right. Which makes it a mental illness, especially when it comes down to color. Even right. and even black cops though, right? You can't even take them out the, the game of it though, because no, they not at all. they do the same thing that the white cops do. It's just that when they do it, it's not really a race thing. It's just like, oh, that's just like dude who shot the one kid in the back and uh I think that was E C or something like that. And oh, yeah. he was a black cop. Yeah. He was very, very emotionally Distraught. Distraught about that because yeah. he really didn't want to do that. But right. at the end of the day, it was like, that's what they're trained to this, do. This is the job, right. And I didn't want to do this to this guy, <clears throat> but this is what I'm trained to do. Now I didn't did it, and I got to live with that. Mr. Quinney, yes, sir. Yes, yes, AG. Hey, I appreciate you getting the brothers on, man. Makes not change, man. It's, it's, it's very hot in here. And, uh, <laughs> AG's combos, man, is 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 known worldwide, man. So uh, <laughs> it's worldwide, right? It's love, and uh, you know, people got a lot to say. Like I said, I created working with you and uh, Lucy with the Culture Center uh, of West Class Location from the side, and that's something that's good that's moving in here right now. Uh, it's just real help, real information, and we standing up together. You know, this is something that was unheard of prior to, uh, I say, shoot, uh, COVID-19, man. COVID-19 really brought us together as a people, man, and as a community. So let me touch on that a little bit. Let me touch on that a little bit. AV, right, the program. Yes, sir. What? Tell me about your life as an inmate, as an individual, before AV and your life as an inmate today. How has it changed because of AV? As it relates to you and your community and how people see you and, and respond to you as a person. It changed my life. I look at AV like <laughs> the new Alonzo. Right. This, this workshop that uh, was created strictly voluntarily has defined... Yes. What it is to be a man, what it is to stand up, what it is to have a voice. Not only what it is to have a voice, but what it is to have a voice by communicating. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding what communication is, having self-awareness, awareness of and, and being in control of self. Right. Understanding emotional intelligence, uh, uh, nonverbal and verbal cues. Uh, and that's all I have to do with communication. So communicating my character consciously. Mm-hmm. This is what AV is. This is what AV is to me. This is how it's changed my life to where 
I don't lack communication skills anymore. I know how to communicate. I know how to listen. Right. I know how to, to be heard. Uh, I know how to be patient and aware. And Amy has one tool, one main tool, man, and it's called a scope. Right. And that scope is, I mean, when you think of scope, just think, what do you think? You think, you think, you think about lining something up, right? You know, a beam, a, a, a or uh, uh, if I had to look at stars, I would need a telescope, right? So the right. scope, just think about it as a... Filtering outcome. out the noise, right. Yeah. Stop, consider opportunities presented every day, no right. matter whether they're good or bad. Now let me ask you, but... But here's what I want to know. You know, prior to you starting this AV program, you were just another inmate in the prison. You know, when, when these guards see you, do they still see you the same way they did a year ago? Do they still treat you the same way? AV, 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 AV is, when guys go through this workshop, they develop a different walk. Right. They, de they develop a different attitude. You know, we earn it. We earn it in our workshops. We earn it in our class because we participate. And it's, it's so good because it's us. It's not uh, somebody coming to us with a book that was written 15, 30 years ago. And, you know, they talking about, you know, that's a criminal, always a criminal. And then it's like, okay, so if I ever ate a grape in a store while I was walking through, what did that make me? Do that makes me a criminal? Or did that just make me hungry? Or I wanted to taste a grape? So this program, uh, this workshop has developed men in here to start focusing on their future, their legacies, uh, how to become an asset to the community. That's the key. Is it safe to say that they walk out of that pro program and that workshop with a little bit more confidence about what their opportunities are than they did when they walked through the door? Because something tells me that, you know, if I know you, you ain't going to the conscious inmate and you ain't going to the guy that's kind of got his head together saying, hey, I think you should be a part of this program. You're going to the guys that probably got a chip on their shoulder that don't necessarily, you know, see a pathway out. Guys, guys that were exactly like me, you know, right. guys that are in the mud, man. You know, when you have a one-track mind, it's impossible for you to uh, consciously view other things as reality or real. Right. So, because you live in, uh, in, in, in one state, in one frame of mind. So, it's, I'm forcing you to come up out of that. You know, <clears throat> stop looking at the staff members like they're the police. Get right. away from that. Stop looking at dudes that you uh, uh, that you would say switched on you when ain't no secrets in the joint. We're being videotaped, listened to, we're on camera 24-7, but you'll say somebody told on you. When all your action and your movement is one way. Right. It's a criminalistic attitude and an anti-social mentality. So how can you be taken seriously? The reason I ask that question is because, you know, one of the things I want to elaborate on and, and kind of pound into people's heads is the importance of going from a cocky individual to a confident individual and being able to distinguish between the two. And more importantly, people being able to see the difference in the two in the way you carry yourself. So again, as an inmate, as somebody with a chip on their shoulder, as somebody who's arrested, who didn't want to get arrested, who probably even shouldn't be arrested, 
You know, you come through the door thinking, oh, I got to protect myself. I got to be the big man on campus. I got to do this. I got to do that. You go walk around with a swag. You go walk around with an attitude. You might even cause problems just to make a name for yourself. You know what I mean? Or you might just be pissed at the world or pissed at the guards or pissed at the system for having you in there in the first place and just not being able to, as you put it, communicate with people in an effective way. So it's not uncommon for somebody to look at that individual and go, this is a cocky motherfucker, man, and I don't want nothing to do with him. He's he's creating conflict, you know, but you got to graduate out of that. And AV seems like the perfect way for somebody in that environment to graduate out of that mindset and say, wait a minute, let me let me learn better communication skills. Let me rethink how I associate myself with other people. Let me stop demanding that people treat me with respect and start walking in a way that makes them respect me organically. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. So there's a, there's a lifestyle and uh, an attitude that the prison system has adopted. Mm-hmm. And it's a mentality of a get over. You hear me? So, and of course, in my earlier years, for, for those who don't know me, I've been locked up uh, now. I've been incarcerated for 25 years. So, I came in the system at the age 18. In my younger years, uh, I had to adapt. Right. This was a very rough environment. So, you know, working out is a must. Uh, you have to be strong. You have to be. Uh, have some type of toughness to your skin. And, I, you know, I'm from a red neighborhood, so that kind of came with me. I was raised and born in it. And right. then I have a strong family. So I didn't experience a lot of the negativity that most guys have, but I'm going to tell you like this. No one is exempt of the death. And what that means is I was never exempt of uh, being targeted Right. You know, so I did have to defend myself. The reason that I guess I got caught up looking back is because I didn't have the tools in my tool belt to play a good game of chess where I could outthink the situation or I could better handle the situations that were put in front of me. Most mm-hmm. of the time, I just reacted. Right. And whether that got me hurt or somebody else or just in a bad situation like in the hole, you know, it depended on what type of situation it was. Right. So now I don't walk like that no more. I don't think like that no more. When things come to me, uh, I've created something in AV called the box. Okay. The box is to fix of is individuals who we place who are important in our lives. And there's four categories. You have family, you have companions, and this is a men's prison, so you have your women. And then you have strangers, right? So mm-hmm. in these four categories, the people that you deal with, you have everybody in the box, right? And our main goal is dealing with these people according to how they deal with us or how we view them, which means we have to know these people. You okay. have to know the people that you deal with. Like, I know you. You know what I'm saying? I love you, right? Right. AG. So <laughs> we grew up together. We're, we're, we have a brotherhood. But... Right. I still make sure that there is a box where we deal so that no one gets hurt. Right. I can't hurt you because I know what's going on in that box. You can't hurt me because I know what's going on in that box. My mother used to always tell me that when you don't understand someone else, she's an educator. Right. Joanne Quinney, or for the Cleveland School Board of Education. 
they're not the one with the problem. It's you because you don't understand what they're going through. Right. So I first guys in this program, look, understand everything that's part of communication. That's proper communication. Understanding what situation that you are placing yourself in when you deal with the person. You got to believe what people show you. You hear me? Because that's who they are. If you're going to accept them for who they are, then accept them for who they are. Right. You know? And keep it moving. In this environment, this is a, 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 a you know, testosterone set base. So one thing that gets to understand the quick is violence. In order to not fall into these traps, you have to know who you're dealing with. Because right. nine times out of ten, all the energy that comes your way is energy that you draw to you. Right. So a lot of things that I was involved with, it was because I was reactionary and I was involved into a lot of things. But today, I'm involved in one thing, and that is change. That's transitioning. Right. That's awareness. That's social integrity. That's becoming an asset to the community. And when you see me moving, it's attractive because hey, I've been shot, I've been stabbed, I've been in wars. Yeah, me. This little guy right here. Right. Or a big guy, however you want to call him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I've been in the middle of it. Right. And it shows. And I didn't get caught up in all the penitentiary propaganda. You can just imagine what that is. That's one of those things that has always scared me about your situation. You know, as you know, we know a lot of people, family, friends, you name it, that have been in and out of the prison system. And it's amazing how quickly they can become institutionalized in their minds. You know what I mean? Where you are officially a prisoner by definition. You have lost the title almost of being an individual because you turned yourself into an inmate to where it's almost like that's your more comfortable environment. And we don't like that. You know what I mean? But that's something that if this individual isn't given the right tools and resources and support system while they're either in there or when they first come out, you know, they just become trapped in that mindset. It's, it's, it's tight. Yeah, it's tight. Because and, listen, in here, yeah. in here, there is very, there is help if you know how to get, go about getting it. Right. Which means that's another thing that I, I teach. The first thing I teach the guys when they come to class is policy and procedure. Know the rules to this. Right. We were under administrative rules. When you were on the streets, you were up under the laws of the land. And here they are administrative rules. If you don't know what's going on with the policy and procedures that govern you, then that is your fault and that is a problem. That is our fault and it's a problem. It's a problem that needs to be addressed. So that is one of the things that we come out the gate with. And I spend an hour, maybe two, on that alone. Well, hey, man, I, I hope you... I hope you smell the flowers that that community is giving you for the effort that you're putting into helping them become better people, man. You've uh, you've definitely I mean, just in listening to the few people you've had on and listening to some of the feedback coming from the institution about what you're doing, you're definitely making a difference, man. And you deserve a lot of credit for that. And, you know, I love you for it, man. And you know that I'm always cheering for you out here. I do everything I can to make you as successful as possible, me and Ken on this podcast, you know, we want you to shine. What up, Joe? We want you to shine, man. Thank Jesus, man, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. This is a, this is a, this is a tough topic for me 
not to talk about, but it's there's there's all of these outside factors. And realistically, it's more perception that dictate how people treat you, especially in our community. You know, there's so many people that look at you because of the color of your skin and draw these assumptions and draw these conclusions. Right. It takes sometimes it takes me having a conversation with people for them to give me the respect I deserve. You know, you can't give it to me because of how I walk or how I talk or how I, what I drive or how I dress, because you don't connect with that right out the gate. But the minute we sit down and have a conversation, it's like, oh, yeah, I you get know, it. this this guy might not be what I suspected when I saw him walking down the street. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in so many different environments, how you present yourself and how you are received by other people dictate whether or not you live. If you looked at George Floyd and you just took him at face value, he was a black guy with a black tank top on and a pair of shorts, and he was acting weird. That was the only assessment they had when they walked up on him. Mm -hmm. These two cops walk up on his car sitting on the side of the road because a guy in the store said he used a fake $20 bill to buy cigarettes. They approached the car within 30 seconds of approaching his car. The first cop pulled a gun on him. He said, well, you're acting weird. There's a fucking gun in my face. What yeah. you expect me to do? Yeah. I didn't already got shot. The police already harassed me every time they see me. And now I got a cop pointing a gun in my head because of something somebody in the store said that I may or may not have even been aware of. That was never determined. And what's interesting, if you watch the, the case, Today, they interviewed the cashier that rung him up, Mm -hmm. that took the $20 bill from him. So he was with another guy and a girl. There was a girl in the back seat. The guy supposedly had come in earlier in the day and used a fake $20 bill. Okay. So that's what put them on the radar. Right. Right. George comes in with the same guy a few hours later, runs the $20 bill. Now, the first guy who he was with, the dude gets the money from him say, I can't take this. It's not real. No incident. When George comes back, he's suspicious about it. He looks at it, but he takes the $20 bill and gives him the cigarettes. Then they leave. Then he happened to look at it again and goes, damn it, I think this thing is fake. Now, supposedly in the store, the rule is if you take a fake 20 or take fake money, it's coming out of your paycheck. So you either got to be conscious enough and aware enough to catch it or just accept the fact that you're going to have to pay for it. So the dude said, you know, he took it thinking it might have been fake. But it was when he reassessed it, he was like, I don't know if I really want to lose this $20. I'm going to bring this to my manager's attention. Now, the crazy thing about this is this dude is now thinking to myself, had I just let the 20 go, he'd still be alive. He'd still right be now. alive, yes. And what's crazy about this case is that everybody is saying that. Had I just fill in the blank, he'd still be alive. Everybody but the fucking cop. I was just doing my job. I I pulled a gun on him because he was acting erratic. He didn't show me both of his hands. He only showed me one. So I pulled a gun. That's my job. That's my job. That's my job. That's all they're saying. That's my job. That paramedic, that chick, the firefighter chick that pulled up, she said, had I just checked his pulse, had I just convinced the cop to get off his neck, he'd still be alive. The black guy that was talking to him that kept saying, you know, 
you know, you're killing him, bro, whatever he was saying. He's an MMA fighter. He was like, had I just asserted myself and made them take their attention off of him long enough to put it on me, he'd have got off his neck. He'd still be. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody feels remorse yeah, it's, for it's this man losing his life. Consciousness yeah. that's going through their head like, dang, I could What could I have I, done different? I could have did something different. I could have threw a two-liter pop at the dude and hit him in the head with him and made him chase me down the street. He st- put me in jail. You know what I mean? I just saved a life. We're going to have a conversation about that in court because I'm sure he's going to press charges, but now he can't even walk away from this. So it got me to thinking about the things that cops do just because they're cops. Yeah. Just because they're cops. Not because it's their job. Just just because they're cops. Their authority. In their mind. And this goes back to what Briscoe was saying. This is a mental situation. You're supposed to. Do Respect what I say. me, right? You're supposed to, and if you don't, and and who's to say that the person that you're talking to knows those rules, though? Right. Just like Alonzo was saying, like, dude, he always explains to his people the rules and regulations of this and the facilities, right? Because, dude, if you don't know those rules and regulations, it's it's kind of bad for you, right? You're you're going to be adding time to your sentence. So you go out as a cop knowing the rules and regulations of things, and then all of a sudden, you expect the person that you're trying to put these rules and regulations on to know those rules and regulations also. So now you're demanding that respect. Yeah, you're demanding that you do what I tell you because these are the rules and regulations. Right, but how hard is it to just communicate to somebody in a way? That they respect your authority. I'm pretty and in sure that it could case, have been a, it could have been a conversation that could have been had about the twenty dollar bill, and it could have been resolved right then and there without no kind of conflict or anything. Dude, I this case has been this this whole situation has been an issue for our community for a year now, right? Almost a year, 10, 11 months. This this incident is something that I've kind of run over my head over and over and over again, you know, because to me, George Floyd looks like everybody I was raised by, was raised with, grew up with, podcast with, you name it. He was just another black dude, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. But it almost feels like for the cop that did that to him, he could have been any black dude. Yeah, anybody. If you don't do what we tell you to do, you deserve whatever happens next. Yeah. I demand that you give me my respect. And you see that time and time again in these cases. But a cop should never have to demand anything. The rules are already in place. Explain to me what I'm supposed to do, and I'll do it. But they don't. Force me to do something simply because you're a cop? I may not do it. But they they don't do that to their own kind, though. That's the catch-22. Like, they do that's, it to us. Right. That's the problem. But their own kind is a respectful thing. Their own kind could be doing the most worst thing in the world, but they can get off just by having a conversation. And race. Here we go again, right? It, 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 just, it never, never it ends never with the race ends. thing. Because we, we know the difference, though. We see the difference. The difference is there. It's like in plain sight that the difference is there. And then when you get to the court system the rules and regulations get the difference knocked out the box. But it's not just in, it's not just in the judicial system. Think about it. Work. Yeah. Work too. your job. How many people demand that you follow 
their authority at work. Yeah, I, as opposed to just being a good boss or just being a good team leader. Dude, I see it so much. People pushing their authority and trying to assert themselves. And that's cool because you want that respect because you want people to know that, yes, I run, charge. I run this I right. run this shift and I need you to listen to me. Right. That's cool, but you don't have to talk to me like you somebody my, like you my mother or you my father though. Right. Because I'm grown. Right. I don't and I might not even listen to my mom and daddy. So you might right. you might be talking to the wrong person when you're talking like that to me. And that's the part they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you don't know where you don't know how my day is going. You don't know how I woke up this morning. You don't know right. how. You don't know nothing. All right. you know is that we all came to work today, and you get paid more than me. Right. And you, that's the constant. And 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 your job is not to push your authority around. Your job is to get the job done with right. the people that you're working with, and command everybody to do what they're supposed to do in their respective places. Command. Not demand. Not demand us to do it, but right. command us. Like, right. dude, we looking looking for leadership. We're not looking for somebody to watch over us. When you command something, you simply have the ability to control the situation consciously, like in a conscious state. I am going to manage this process by way of my actions, not by demanding anything. I'm not going to require somebody to follow my directions. I'm going to give them instructions and they're going to do it because that's their job. That's their job. And it's such it's such a simple distinction between the two, but one can cause people to love you and the other can cause people to die. I see it all the time. I <clears throat> you know, see I, it so I, get, I get a lot of Requests because a lot of people say, well, you know, I hear you giving all these impressions or all these all of this feedback about these topics, but I never understand what your input is. Right, people say that to me all the time. Somebody else's input. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I always talk about like with the last one with the N word, you know, four people said to me, the first thing they said to me was, I never got your opinion. Like, how's that? I thought I made my opinion pretty clear, but maybe I didn't. So I want to make sure I'm a little more specific from right, this point exactly. forward. Right? When it comes to this command versus demand thing, the one thing that I'll never allow somebody else to do is tell me what to do. Right. You can instruct me to do something, but you can't make me do shit. No. And it's not because I'm cocky. Right. It's not because I don't respect authority. It's because I am a man. And you have to approach me as a man. No. I don't care what you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care what your title is. Don't care. If Joe Biden came to my house and said, get me a glass of water, I'm going to tell him to kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, you don't tell me what to do. And it's not a disrespect thing. No. Because when you tell somebody what to do, you're basically in, in, you're acknowledging that person is being beneath you. Yeah. I instruct you. I tell you what to do, and if you don't do it, there's consequences. Right. This is why I can't go to jail. Yeah. I can't. You, you I'm going to kill everybody <laughs> until they kill me. I'm going to just start, literally start, I'm here for the rest of them. I'm here for 30 days because I did nothing. Because I know that I'm not going to do anything that's going to get me arrested. I'm just not going to do that. 
if you say, get out the car, I'm going to probably get out the car. I'm going to sue you for unlegal, illegal search and seizure. Yeah. But I'm going to probably get out the car. Yeah. If you attempt to harm me, I'm going to defend myself. Yeah. You'll kill me here before you put me in jail. Yeah. That's, that's a given. Right? You know, one of the things that I first learned in um, executive sales, almost the very first rule that I was taught by a guy named Doug Leslie was never use Mr. when talking to a customer. Never use Mr. when talking to anybody that you want to acknowledge you on a level playing field. As, a, as an equal. As right. an equal. Because the minute you say Mr., you have immediately Dumped placed yourself, yourself down. below that yeah, person. you did. Now, I mean, yeah, because I use Mr. a lot, but I think it's more of me using it because of Seniority. The, the age difference. That's a different story. Because they're elders. I'm, I'm dealing with older people. So when I say Mr., and a lot of them correct me and say, you don't have to call me Mr., call me by my first name. You know right. what I'm saying? Which I kind of respect. I instantly give them, hey, Dave. You know what I'm saying? Like, Because they don't want it to be like that. Well, that's, that's them showing the respect that you deserve yeah. for what you're bringing to them. Yeah, because they And they're basically I'm saying, I'm not the only person you should demand or command that respect from. I'm not the only person that owe it to you. Everybody that you're providing a service for owes that to you. Yeah. So, and your your issue is a little, or your environment is a little yeah, different yeah, because different. you work in a service yeah, it's, in it's a different. medical field, yeah. you know, and you want people to feel comfortable. And you're dealing with senior citizens in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah. But for I wouldn't me, come to you and say, Mr. Grice. Yeah. I wouldn't do that because, dude, I'm not about to call you Mr. Grice. Even though you, even though you, you told me that my name is Arthur Grice, you know what I'm saying? Like you told me your name, Arthur Grice, and I say, oh well, Mr. Grice, I'm gonna say, well, Arthur. Right. (laughs) Because the minute you call me that, now it's like uh, somebody else. I gotta watch myself around because they obviously look up to me. They look up to you. They trying to kiss your ass, basically. (laughs) And and we don't need that. I I don't need. But more importantly, I don't know if it was the the slave culture. Or the slave mentality, we were always taught by our elders to use Mr. and Mrs. Yes. And it's not a bad thing. And I need to make sure that that distinction is drawn. I think once you become a Mr. or Mrs., you have to lose that moniker. Yeah. You have to. Because now, by becoming an adult and acknowledging yourself as an adult, you want other people to acknowledge you as an adult. Yeah. You want other people to respect you as an adult. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to place yourself on their levels. Does that mean every 19-year-old should walk up to every 55-year-old and say, hey, John, how you doing? No. Maybe. Maybe not. So this is the way I do it. Because there are people of authority, judges, right? You can't call the judge by his first name. Mm-mm. In the courtroom, it's supposed to be your honor. That's a title. You know, if I got a PhD, I'm going to probably want you to call me doctor, right? Which is fine because that is the, that's the relationship between us. Yeah. But guess what, doc? When I see you at the grocery store, you warn yeah. Or John or yeah. Adam or whatever the hell your name is. Yeah, not, I'm not calling you Doc. Yeah. Once we get out of the professional setting, it's over with. Because that's not what we're about at this point. If I see that judge on the street, hey, nice to see you. I might call you sir. See, this is the difference with me. 
I will go from Mr. or Mrs. to Sir or Ma'am. Yeah, I do Sir or Ma'am a lot too. And and I think that's because the way I the way I was raised. I and mean, it's a respect thing. It's a respect thing that your mom or your dad or your grandmother or whoever taught you, like, dude, when you see older people and even in your neighborhood, like if you see an old lady and you want to help her with her bags and you know her, you'd be like, and she say, oh, thank you. You'd be like, uh, yes, ma'am. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Cause, because you're trying to give her that I'm a respectful young man. Right. And the difference between sir and mister is stature and authority. Mm-hmm. It's probably an old English thing. You know, not O.E. the drink, but an English <laughs> thing. But it's probably, you know what I mean? Good day, sir. How are you, sir? All you're basically saying is I respect you. Yes. I remember the very first time I saw the CEO of our company uh, on an elevator. It was funny because we walked on the elevator, and this was during that training. That was like maybe second day of that training. He walks on the elevator. He said, hey, Arthur, how are you? Mm. I said, not bad, Chris. How are you? Now, prior to that day, every time he saw me, it was Mr. Connor. Because he's the CEO of freaking right of the company. But he looked at me, he was like, Oh, you're in Doug Leslie's class, aren't you? I was like, Yes, I am. He knew exactly what it was. He was like, Good. I'm glad because now I'm not like the big boss anymore. I'm a guy that you work I with. I can actually have a conversation with you and you can look at me as a regular guy. But I only said it one time. I said, he said he re- he acknowledged me as Arthur. Mm-hmm. I acknowledged him as Chris. And from that point forward, it was sir. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like, dude, I know that we're the right. same people. If, you ask, if somebody asks me what's your name, I'm going to say Chris. I'm not going to say Mr. Connor. And it's not a disrespecting the sir is a acknowledgement it's an acknowledgement of authority it's a status symbol of who you are yeah but that's only in this environment i never saw him outside on the street but if i did guess what your name is that's crazy because in my department the chief of my department is a woman mm-hmm. uh, her name's diane um uh peters mm-hmm. I've never called her Miss Peters, ever. Good. I've always called her Diane. Like, Diane, it's just Diane comes out of my mouth instantly. Mm -hmm. But that puts us, I I can see how our relationship is, like, because when I see her, you know what I'm saying, I I wear all types of shoes to work all the time, crazy. So she'd be admiring my shoes. Like, she just came back to work because she had the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And she was out. She damn near died from it. Oh, wow. But she... She came through. So she just getting back to work. She working like two days a week. So Monday was her first day back. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, she came to my desk. She's like, hey, Ken. I was like, hi, Diane. I'm so happy to see you. And she instantly looked under the table, looked at my shoes, like trying to see what I had on. And I'm like, she is crazy, <laughs> man. <laughs> but that is, a, that is a great feeling to be on a first name basis with somebody like that, yeah. right? And that's the whole department, though. Everybody calls each other by their first Nobody calls you, nobody by their last names. And I'm like, that's because we're so close. Well, their, their community was already close-knit when I got down there. Right. So once I got down there, it was like they instantly just they called me Julian, Ken. Right. And everybody was on the first name basis. Nobody was calling nobody Mr. or by their last names. It was just... 
it was just like being uh, working with your friends, basically. Like I'm working with some friends, and that's that's what it should be. Yeah, your work environment, your community environment, should be a friendly environment. Yeah, it should be a welcoming environment. It shouldn't have the tension of seniority and authority. It should just be comfortable. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, I think about it from a parent's perspective. You know, we teach our children to be respectful of their elders and to be mindful of authority and to say Mr. and Mrs. You know, my son's friend stayed at at our house the other day Mm -hmm. and his mom calls me Art. So he called me Art and I kind of looked at him. I'm like, you can't call me Art. (laughs) I mean, he's 13. Oh, no. You, I mean, of course. No, you can't do you can't, that. You can't do that. Yeah. And I say, I'm going to tell you why you can't do that. For one, because if you could call me Art, then he can call your mom by her first name. That's not an option. No. Once he becomes an adult, then you can address an adult as an adult. But until you become an adult, you got to put some respect on my name. Yeah. And that's not to say that I am demanding this title it's so that you can command the respect of an adult yes by acknowledging them with respect right because i i took that and i taught you something right somebody else could have took that and was like this little dude disrespectful right and it you just just didn't know though right like i just don't this is what my mom calls you every time I, your your name is mentioned in my house. Right. That's you know exactly what, what it is. Right. So this is what, when I come to the house, when I come to your house, first thing I think is, oh, that's art. Right. Not Mr. Grice or however you want to put it. Like I told her, I said, we, we can meet in the middle. You can call me Mr. Art. Yeah. Or Mr. I'm art. I'm good with yeah. that. First name, Mr. Because I my dude's mom, I call her Miss Steph. You know what I'm right. saying? And her first name, Stephanie. So, but... Their household is kind of different because they call their moms by, by her first name. Right. A lot of people do. And I'm like, why y'all call your mama Steph? And he like, dude, that's, that's her, her name. That's her name. I'm, I'm an like, adult. She's an adult. But no, this is but, when they were kids, though. Oh, shit. We, we were young. And they used to be like, you know, Steph dog in the house. When they talking to us about him, that's cool. But <laughs> right. then when I see them talking to her and they be like, Steph, and I be like, why is y'all saying that? Right. I still say mine to this day. Like, right. I don't even... I'll be forgetting my mama's first name sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's my mom? Dorothy. Okay. Dorothy. Yeah, I forgot. But, you know, even now, I'm in my 40s. My mother's friends, I still refer to them as Miss This or Miss yeah, That. Yeah, all the time. You know, because for one, that's all I ever knew them as. And for two, I will always respect them yeah. the same way I did when I was six years until old. They, until they instruct you otherwise, why not? You know what I'm saying? Even if I mean to me, for me, and this isn't this isn't to instruct anybody to do the same thing, but for me, it's it's just it's it's a comfortable thing. Yeah, it's comfortable to always remind them that hey, I don't care how old I am, you'll always be who you've always been to me. Yeah, you know, very, what I mean? very respectful. And it's amazing how warm that makes them feel. Yeah, you know, what always. I mean? He's so mannerable. Right. <laughs> It's crazy. I don't. I can't cuss in front of them. None of that. Just because I never had. It would be uncomfortable. I still struggle. I don't cuss in front of my mother. I don't. I. I, I can't bring myself to do it. I she listens to these sometimes. podcasts. Like, what the hell, man? You cussing all the time? Well, yeah, but I ain't cussing to you. I'm not saying you right. listening. I right. didn't tell you to. I didn't tell you to turn this shit on, <laughs> mom. 
Right. That's on you. You want to But I can't him? cuss in front of my mom. And my sister can. I think everybody else can because they yeah. kind of like in their feelings. And when they talking, they got kids. So right. my mom is around when the kids are around and they cussing the kids out. The words come out to the kids if you're cussing the kids out and then your mama don't say nothing to you. So it's like, oh, she she let me just go ahead and say them cuss words, huh? I don't have kids, so I'm still on, dude. <laughs> why did you just say that in front right. of mommy, dude? Mommy gonna beat your ass. I'm grown as I'm 40 years old right. talking about some. Why mommy. you say that in front of mommy? <laughs> wow, you know what I'm saying? Like that's hey, crazy, but it's but, just but that's, that's just how I roll. Right. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because there comes a point in time where you have to mature beyond that. No, I don't cuss in front of my mother, but that's because I choose not to. Yeah, it's it's a, not because I'm afraid to. No, it's not. My mother catch me in the wrong scenario, she go hear a whole lot of shit for yeah. the first time. And it won't be the first time. It ain't like she ain't never heard never me heard cuss before. Cussing, right. But I'm never going to be having a conversation, directing a conversation to my mother using profanity. Yeah. I just can't bring myself to now, do it. Now, I didn't say cuss words and jokes. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, it's just it just came out and she laughed. It's just, right. it's just because she knows I'm grown now. So right. it's like, I can't tell you not to cuss. Right. Or sometimes if you cuss and she hear you and she not in the room. Right. And she'll hear you cussing, talking somewhere else. Right. She'll come out of nowhere and just hit you upside your head. And you'll be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I heard you in here cussing. Like, oh, I forgot you was in there, ma. Right. My bad. <laughs> My bad. My bad, ma. It's your house. not used right. to me talking like that. Right. Because I usually don't talk like that when I talk to her. Right. But if you in another room and I'm talking to somebody else, you like, my son got a potty mouth. <laughs> He's just cussing, fussing. And my my nephews and nieces got real bad potty mouths because their moms and dads got real bad potty mouths. Mm -hmm. So my mom catches them cussing when they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And she'd be like, I hear them out there cussing all the time. And I'm like, yeah, because you know what they mama do or you right. know what they daddy do. You know what I'm saying? They cuss. That's what, what you mean. But here's the question. Does your mother tell you you can't? No, she never said, like, I don't want you cussing around me. So my point being, your mother does not demand that you talk a certain way no. in your house. Just by her effort she commands the respect of you holding your tongue. Holding your tongue and don't talk in that tongue around me Right. if it don't need to be talked like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mind if you if you have to do it. But right. as soon as yeah. you're you just gotta doing yell it with your just kids randomly. Or somebody's being disrespectful to you or somebody pissed you off. Or we're around like, people other than the family and you talking crazy and they looking at me like, you letting your kids talk like that? Like, why is you? And that's kind of... Right, what you kind of get, right, and it kind of be like you can't be talking. You know, we can't be talking like that around these people. <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up is because you know I deal with a lot of guys, teenagers, young adults, kind of maturing into their own space and maturing into their own adulthood, and they struggle to disassociate from the childlike status. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard to break away from their parents or from certain responsibilities. And I know people that have literally said, you know, I can't, I can't tell her this, or I can't, I can't expect this respect from this individual because that's my mom. And I just, if, you know, whenever she gets involved, it's annoying, but I have to deal with it because blah, 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 you know, 
And if I do try to assert myself and say, hey, this is my life, this is my child, you know, I think about my own teenage daughter. Well, she's not a teenager anymore. She's 20 now. You know, she's made decisions that I don't really agree with. You know, but I can't bring myself to tell her you can't do that. I can't demand that she operate the way I see her needing to operate because I respect her adulthood. Now, that means I can't hold your hand either. That means I'm not going to spoon feed you to whatever the hell it is you're trying to come up to either. And you have to deal with your consequences or whatever actions that you're trying to that I'm telling you that you shouldn't be taking if I and. I don't like that you're taking. Right. I'm gonna say I ain't telling. I'm gonna you recommend should. that yeah. you do something different, but yeah. you're gonna decide to do it for yourself. Yeah. Because again, what did I say a couple episodes ago? What makes you an adult is making decisions and dealing with the, dealing consequences, with the consequences of them. Right. But when you're dealing with the consequences of them, nobody has the right to demand that you follow their rules, unless you allow yourself to go to jail. Yeah. Then you have to do what they tell you to do. Yeah. But as an adult, you're responsible for you and anybody that comes along with you, your children, your pets or whatever the situation might happen, your spouse, significant other or whatever. So anybody from your parents, grandparents on down to the cashier at the store, they owe you that respect. And if you carry yourself in a way that you command that respect, you don't have to demand that they give it to you. Now, it's important for people to be confident in what they request or what they, how they operate. You know, if my daughter coming to me going, I'm going to do what I want to do. You ain't going to tell me what I can and can't do. Well, you don't deserve respect at that point or support or help or input. Yeah. All right. I respect you enough to say, okay, you're right. Good luck. Yeah. And change my fucking phone number. Yeah. Don't call me. Don't even call me. Right. But when it's, hey, dad, I really believe in what I'm trying to do. I may or may not get there. I may or may not need your help in the future, but I have a plan and this is how I plan on executing it. Well, now you sound pretty damn confident about what it is you're trying to do. Whether I agree with it or Whether not. Whether I agree with it or not. And you have commanded my respect for that confidence. Right. And I think about just in my past position in sales. You know, people will come to me and go, everybody seems to think you know everything about paint. So I got a question you might not know the answer to. Well, let me hear it. You know, I blah, 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 blah. Well, if I was in your situation, I would do this. Now, I could have easy, I could have just as easily said, that shit ain't even hard. Yeah. yeah. How many fucking times have I answered right. this question this week? <laughs> now, that would be a cocky individual. Cocky individual, right. Or I could have said something to the effect of, you know, come come back when you got a real question. Yeah. That ain't even worth my time. Yeah. I answered that question for kids 15 years ago. That's a cocky individual. But if I know the answer to the question, I can reassure you. I can say, hey, look, I get it. I know that answer because I've been down that road before. It's happened a thousand times. It's really not that complicated. Here's what you need to do. You sure? If it don't work, I'll pay for it. Confidence. How sure is that? <laughs> Does that make me cocky? No. Or am I just reassuring you Making that you the information like you have is accurate? 
that was definitely some valuable information, and he said he will pay for it. So that means that this thing definitely works. Right, because you know it's going to be an expensive. I guarantee. Right. right. <laughs> but again, that is something that you have to convey. That's something you have to be able to portray in yourself to other people without crossing that line. You know, a lot of people think I'm a cocky individual. That's probably because I don't give a fuck what people think about me. Yeah. Does that make me cocky? No. I just don't need your input to be comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. But at the same time, I could be wrong all day long. You cannot like me all day long. I'm not going to think any different of you because you don't like me. Yeah, it has nothing to do with it. has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. No. Right? If you're not there to support me, then that just means I have to support myself. And I'm going to do that. Because I'm confident enough in myself to do that. Not because I'm cocky enough to think I can do everything on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I don't need support. I'm saying that if I don't have it, I'm going to still get to where I need to be. Yeah. And that's the part that I think we struggle to convey to other people. Yeah. Because we let emotions tie into our reactions so often. Yeah. We don't know how to take criticism. At we all. don't know how to take criticism. And that's all people. Not just, it's not even a race thing with that. That's no. just period. No. When you hear critic, I, I struggled with that. I still struggle with that to this yeah, day. I heard you, know you the saying? other day on like, the intro. Dude, I'm like, dude, I can't do it. I can't. I, it's, that criticism is just like it hits somewhere in my soul for some reason. Because but you're confident in what you do. I'm working on it, though, because I'm like, dude, I know that at the end of the day, I'm not the best at whatever I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm not saying that. I don't value your input, but if I know you really don't know, you just like to give some type of input and try to tell me what to do. I don't listen. I don't listen to you. People. Tune out, right? I don't. I'm, I'm a. I, I have a problem with authority. It's just me. <laughs> I have a problem with people telling me what they can, what I got to do, and right. do. I have a problem with that because I know what I bring to the table. I know that right. I bring. When I'm at work, I know I'm doing my work. So for you to try to come in here and push that authority on me. Even though I'm doing my job, dude, don't do that. But that's that's rarely necessary. It's rarely necessary to go up to somebody that's doing their best and say, because I'm in the room, you need to do better. That's rarely necessary. Yeah. It always happens, but it's rarely necessary. It's and necessary. it's rarely going to create any positive reaction. Yeah. You're just going to create hostility and animosity towards you when you do that. Uh, here he comes. Now watch. I, yeah. did, I done done all of this work. Everything I was supposed to do by 4 o'clock is done. Here it is, 345, and I can technically walk out the door because I'm a salaried employee, but I guarantee you this motherfucker going to give me another task to complete. Yeah. Or that's going to have me, me here till 4.30. Or tell me what somebody else thought that I did wrong. Right, that it wasn't good enough. Or right. I can improve on because of the way that I did it wasn't the way they wanted it to be done. Right. And I'm like, dude, how are you going to try to change up my job? Because one person feels like if it was done this way, their job could have been easier. Right. Dude, I'm that, not here to make his job easier. Right. I'm here to do my job. And But that's a person that has a history of demanding something that they don't deserve. Because if I respected you, if you had earned my respect as an authority figure or as a leader— I would welcome your presence. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be, you know, frustrated because you're in the room. You know what I mean? 
there's been plenty of bosses and, and leaders and managers that I've had that, you know, when they say, hey, I'm going to be in town or I'm going to be near you or we're going to ride together or we're going to do this, or I was like excited because I know I can give this person my input and get constructive so much, feedback. So much back, though. Right. Or I can ask questions and get realistic answers. You know, he's not going to come into the freaking car talking about where's my coffee. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. I actually had one of them before. Wow. I had a I had a boss that literally, and this wasn't at Sherwin. Right. I had a boss that literally felt like every time he was with us, one of his employees, he had to have this cup of coffee from this place, this breakfast sandwich from this place in the car when he got in it. And I knew that because... You know, I'm, I'm, you know, guys would tell me when I first got on the job, hey, just make sure whenever he shows up, you got this and you got that in the car. I'm like 20. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not doing that. No. I don't care who it is. I'm not doing that. I'm not your maid. We can stop at the coffee place. We can stop at the sandwich, sandwich shop. Spot, right. <laughs> on the way to doing our job. I'm but, not about to do it for you. No, I'm not doing that. And I, I remember the first time he got in the car, he was like, oh, you didn't get the message? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you know, I like my my coffee and my sandwich. Oh, yeah, I heard. <laughs> so where is it? I mean, the coffee shop is about a block and a half that way, and the sandwich shop is about a mile up the road. Mm -hmm. Those are our first two stops. I'm okay with that. Oh, well, that's 20 minutes we lost. I, I don't need the sandwich or the coffee. You're right. We can get to work if that's what you, if that's what you're worried about. But I don't owe you a sandwich and a I coffee. Don't owe you, I don't owe you shit. I don't owe you nothing. I come here to make money, not to give it away. Dude, <laughs> I got promoted two weeks later because you realize I can't. There's certain people you just step on because they force they you can force yourself upon those individuals. And there's certain people that are going to draw a line in the sand. I'm not a cocky person. Yeah. And it's had nothing even to do in that case with confidence. No. Because I have no idea what you're going to ask of me today for the job. But what I know for a fact is that you're going to respect me no matter what your title is. Right. We're going to see, we're going to be in this car as equals. Right. We're not going to be in here as me being your flunky and just doing anything you ask me to do. Right. Because, I mean, as a child, I was... Directed all over the place. Yeah. Go do this. Go do that. Go do this. Go do that. And I'm just trying to meet expectations. Once you get out, once you get to the point where you don't have to do that. Once I got to that point, it was over with for everybody. For everybody. I don't care who you were. Did not matter. And and I only moved for the ones that I loved. And my mama is one of the people that I will always move for. Absolutely. But everybody else, y'all can kiss my ass. Take a number. And if <laughs> I, I don't care. Right. I, it, it ain't even about money. No. Because people, hey, can you come do this for me? I'll pay you. Nope. No, I'm not doing nothing. My time is more valuable than anything than that you your can money. Ever, ever give me. Especially if it's not, you know, I find myself doing stuff for people. And my one pet peeve as it relates to being supportive is when people don't reciprocate. Yeah. Now... For whatever reason, when it comes to me, a lot of people feel like that's hard. Oh, you do so much for me. I couldn't possibly repay you. I don't need you to repay me. If I needed you to repay me, I'd have told you how much it was going to cost you before I did it. Right. 
I just need some gratitude. Yeah. You know how hard, you know how, how infrequently I hear thank you? You ain't gonna hear that, though. It's very infrequent <laughs> that I hear thank you. But it's even more infrequent that I repeat an effort for somebody that don't say thank you. Yeah. You don't get because you only get one chance to yeah. show gratitude. If you're not grateful for the, I'm not saying you, I'm not demanding a thank you. Yeah. But if my effort doesn't command your respect and at least gratitude by way of two words that don't cost you shit, don't ask me for nothing else. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Ever. And I, and ever. I don't give a fuck who you are. I, when I switched departments in my job, I went from being demanded to do so much, so many things mm -hmm. and getting those things done and being like one of the top workers, like, dude, when I left there, they was like, we definitely don't want you to go nowhere. And I was going to pay more money then. But I was like, dude, I can't work in this environment where all these people, it's too many chiefs right. and not enough Indians. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm a worker bee. I'm in here just working and doing my job, trying to make the situation work for everybody. When a person calls off, I'll step in and help. I'm I'm just that guy. Right. I've never, you never heard a thank you or I'm so happy that you did that for me. I'm in this department now. I can do the littlest thing and I instantly hear, thanks. I'm, I'm so appreciative. You are doing a great job. I haven't heard no complaints about you. Even when my boss came back, she like, I don't even have nothing to say about you because all while I was going, everybody just kept saying you was doing a great job where you was at. I'm like, I'm so happy to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Even though I already knew that, but everybody's always like, I, I appreciate you. Buying me little gift cards, Amazon gift cards. Give me a leave stuff on my desk. I had flowers on my desk one day, a whole dozen of roses. And I'm Damn. like, who's is these? <laughs> they like, I don't know. They they left them on your desk. So I'm sitting here like, I don't know who did this. I hope it ain't no girl. Cause right. I, I, so Explain come that to find you out, know. it was my boss. Her, I think her husband was sending her flowers like on the regular, like they were scheduled to be at the job mm -hmm. on certain days, but she wasn't at work. So they came and uh, the supervisor called her and was like, you got these flowers. She was like, hmm, give them to Ken. <laughs> he deserves them. That's awesome. So she set them on my desk and I came in to work and this big old dozen of flowers, beautiful too. I took a picture <laughs> with them and everything. Like, I got them up. Flowers, baby. <laughs> Had them on my desk for a nice little minute, but it just That's made awesome. me feel good right. at work, though. It made me feel like, dang, I'm, I'm really appreciated here. You know what I'm saying? And it, it goes a long way. It just, it, it, you can't put a price tag on you that. You can't put stuff. a price tag. You know what I mean? It don't matter how much they pay me. I just like my work environment. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel comfortable coming to work every day, sitting at my desk, and knowing that when somebody walk past, they're just going to greet me with this friendly, like, I know energy, right? It's just that energy. Even if they asking me to do something, it's still a friendly energy, right? And you know, we're in this this post kind of pre post steady COVID environment. Yeah, people are struggling to keep employees. People are struggling to find jobs. People are struggling to find good help. But very few people appreciate what they actually get. Already, right? You know what I mean? We're already back at that point. It's like, damn, man. It's like I'm out here doing the best I can every day. 
and I can't get a thank. I don't I don't deserve that. I, my effort has I got to demand that. You know what I mean? I got to demand that you respond to me a certain way, which makes me almost unnecessary at that point because I'm only making X number of dollars an yeah. hour. You can replace me easy. Yeah, easy. So am I going to sit here and demand your respect or am I going to just wallow in this freaking job and misery and do it for the sake of a paycheck? That's why, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I never felt unappreciated at work before I left my job, but I knew I deserved more than I was getting. Yeah. And we're talking opportunity. Opportunities, right. We're not even talking about money, pay. Right. I don't, I, I mean, I make enough money for what I do, but at least give me the, don't tell me I haven't earned the opportunity to, to be, challenge myself. Right. To be in a better position. Right. And it ain't even about me getting paid more. Because a lot of people right. look at it like, it's like, all right, you're just trying to get paid more. I don't want to get paid more. I just want to do more. Right. I want to be in a position where I'm, I want to move up somewhere where I'm like, take takes me out my comfort zone, basically. Right. I'm comfortable right here. You know I'm the greatest right here. I want to see what I can do up here. Right. And it, and if I can get that done, then it's like, yeah. Yeah, I can keep climbing. I'm climbing. Right. You already know. Because if I'm not bettering myself in every scenario that I'm in, then I'm in the wrong scenario. Yeah. You know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. It takes a balance. You know, there has to be some times when you're cocky, you know, especially as a parent. You're going to do it because I told you to do yeah. it. And that was kind of cocky. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I had the right to do that. You got, you, you, I, I made you. Right. I brought you here. I took you out. <laughs> I, I, I joke with my, my nephews because I don't got kids, but I'd be like, my mom be like, uh, can you go get me such and such out the kitchen? And I look at her and I'd be like, you got all these slaves around here. <laughs> slaves. These are slaves. You, you're, you created your kids created grandkids, right. For you to have to slave for you because they gonna go wherever you tell them to go. Right. I'm, I mean, I know I'm your kid and I slave for you for a long time, but these are the younger generation. You supposed to go let these slaves, as I call them, go get these slaves, go do the job, dude. <laughs> And she just started cracking up laughing like, yeah, I do got a lot of slaves, but my slave's lazy. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's because you don't demand that they go do that shit. Go demand them to go do it because right. they going to have to go do it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, I got to a point in my career where I feel like I had commanded enough respect to demand a better opportunity. Yeah. And I was cocky enough to ask for it. But I was confident enough that when they said no, I was going to be all right. Yeah. You know, so there is some balance. There has to be a little bit of both. It's, you know, sometimes you got to stick your neck out there and make make something happen for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that takes a sacrifice. And that sacrifice might be drawing a line in the sand for your parents and saying, hey, look, ma, you know, I get that this is your role. I get that this is your house, whatever the situation might happen to be. But this is my life. This is my responsibility, and you have to respect that. Yeah. Because if you don't, then you're compromising my relationship with you. Yeah. And my relationship with everybody that comes after you. Mm -hmm. What kind of parent are you are you being if you're not teaching your child to stand up on their own two feet? Stand up on their own two feet, make those and decisions. giving them the tools to help them do that. And be like, dude, this is that's why I was telling we was talking about uh, on the pod last Sunday. I said, man, I I'll be watching the Cosby shows. So Steve. when I said, yeah, it's back on uh, Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, because you know that I took him down from so many platforms. But when right. it came back, I instantly started watching it again because that's one of my favorite shows, my favorite families. Like, I really, like, admired them right. from so long ago, and I will never stop admiring that family. But when I said that, they was like, no, Sim said, so you ain't cancel Peel Bill? And I'm like, no. Why would I cancel Peel Bill? You know what I'm saying? So Dave, like, well, we need to cancel. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's Women's Appreciation Month. (laughs) And we got to we got to hold everybody accountable because we trying to appreciate the women. I'm like, listen here, brother. I'm not about to cancel Bill Cosby's show that symbol signified what black families should really be though. You know what I'm saying? This this was the household that brought so much culture, so much education, so many problems that happened in real life, and they brought them to life. And it was like, like just it 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 was teachable moments, dude. And you don't understand. And these kids don't get that no more. Hey, for those listening, as boys growing up in the hood in the 80s and 90s, yeah. in fatherless homes. So many of us, not all of us, but so many of us have fatherless homes. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow, yes. Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil, baby. And Bill Cosby. And Bill Cosby. Were our father figures. Them was the guys, dude. They they educate they 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 kept us. They were like the real like, man. Who, I can be a judge, I can be a doctor, <laughs> I can be a police a cop, officer right. and have a family. And, and make it. And at, like, in Family Matters, dude, that was the first time I had ever heard of a, a family talk about uh, stocks. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. It was an episode where he was like, the, the little boy was looking in the newspaper and he was like, oh, what you looking at? You see a stock that, that we should be buying? And I'm like, oh, they, they buying stocks. <laughs> So I'm like, okay. But those type of points I kind of pick up on when I got older. Then I didn't right. when I was younger. But as I got older and I kept watching the shows over and over again, it was like, oh, shit. They, they were spitting game. They were spitting so much game in these shows. And dude. we didn't even catch it. And we, we was just on the funny part. Steve Urkel running around looking right. cra- acting crazy. Right. It was Will the laughing that caught our crazy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Bill Cosby running around just with a whole bunch of kids just acting crazy. It was right, and that's not to that's not to take away from good times, and that's not to take yeah. away from you know. Uh, uh, that was the struggle, though. Right, but that, that was the we that we was, knew that we there knew was that, nothing that was relatable new there. Right, we just never had seen families that was actually middle, getting it. Middle income families, there were very few on TV, but those three, those three, and two of which were upper income. Yeah, families. yeah. Bill Cosby, they was wearing Rolexes. I right. I'll be watching it now, like this nigga got on a Rolex. Right, Uncle Phil was the What's man. Going on? Right. This in the 80s. He, his wife got on the Rolex. He got on I think uh, Theo had on the Rolex right. one time. And I was like, <laughs> they all got Rolexes. But we don't catch that when you're 14, never, 12 never years even, old. Never even thinking about that part of it. Right. Though. But those things was like common in, in the household. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude. But that's why I love Family Matters, man, because he was a blue collar cop. Blue collar. You know what I mean? They weren't wealthy. The other two were wealthy. Yeah, you had a doctor wealthy. and a lawyer in one house yeah. and you had a judge in the other one. Yeah. I don't think Vivian did anything, did I she? I think she was like, I don't know what she did. I don't did. know what she did. I can't remember. But and he was, was well off. But he, he didn't, she didn't have to do nothing. No, he, he was, was good. Right. 
But I don't know, man. I mean, I don't not to get off topic, but those three individuals. Yeah. Ran the households. They commanded the respect of their homes. They commanded the respect of the audience. They helped us grow up. And for me, a lot of the things that are instilled in me that people really have come to appreciate about who I am, it's amazing where you pick up stuff at. You know what I mean? I picked up as much from Uncle Phil on TV as I did from Itchy Dave on the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the, the, the streets, you know, last point. I got to bring this up because I was thinking about this last time we talked. Scarface. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I love Scarface. All times. I yeah. could recite it. Right now, I could literally take an ink pen and write out the whole script for the whole movie, every <laughs> single character, no questions asked. Right? I, I couldn't, but I have watched it at least, I can say probably like six times in my lifetime so far. Dude, when I tell you, I used to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning just to watch it before I went to school. Wow. For like months on end. But when you say that to most people, they look at it and go, black dude, gangster movie, of course they love Scarface. Drugs. Drugs, money, money, girls, girls. naked bitches, right? Well, it ain't it ain't the first of April yet, but I never said I wasn't gonna say bitch. No, that was engaged. And he's fucked up on the end. (laughs) He that shit dead. I told him it was dead from the beginning. Right. And you wait till we have a girl on the show. Right. The <laughs> but here's the thing about Scarface. I could care less what he did for a living. You know what I saw in Scarface? What? I saw a Cuban refugee. Yeah. That was so determined and so confident through his cockiness. And so he commanded so much respect even though he demanded it from his people, that he accomplished exactly what he said he was going yeah, to accomplish. Everything. Everything. And he had principles. He taught, people might hate me for saying this, as a nine-year-old boy, eight-year-old boy, seven-year-old boy, I was taught principles by Tony Montana. <laughs> Tony Montana. Yeah. No women, no children. No women, no children. My balls are my word. He he instilled that in my head, maybe because I watched it 900 times yeah. in a row. But literally, he made me own that what I said was what counted. Not what I thought, not what I wanted. When you say something to somebody, you better mean it. When you say you're going to do something, you better do it. Because when you demand or you command that respect from somebody, you'll get it. Yeah. Because you were a man of your word. Yeah. Now, he kind of lost his way in the end. Yeah. Got blown off the fucking balcony. But that came with the cockiness that of came, it, though. He, 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 he got trapped in his own yeah. cockiness. Yeah. I think Tupac got trapped in his own cockiness. Yeah. But they commanded so much respect because they had principles. The kind of principles that still drive me to this day. Excuse me. The shit that people have come to respect about me came from some of the most unlikely of sources. It came from prisoners. It came from drug addicts. It came from drug dealers. It came from Tony Montana. It came from Tupac. Not for the 
shit they were saying, not for the way they presented themselves, not for not for the, the, the glitz, entertainment. The glitz and glamour of what's going on. It was on. the principles. It was the foundation. Yeah. Tupac was built on a foundation. Yeah. Everything started from a, for a reason. Right. And, and, and they never strayed away from that. Yeah. Even in the end. Even in the end. They never strayed away from that. The only reason why Tony Montana got killed was because somebody killed his sister. He couldn't get it in his head. I always say, if he had just let his boy in the office, he'd still be alive. You know what I mean? He would have made it. I don't know how he would have made it. It was 300 fucking people in his yard. But something tells me that his boy would have caught dude coming up the balcony. Yeah. He would have seen him coming. He'd have, Tony, behind you. You know what I mean? Yeah. He lives. He keeps going. He blows up a couple more doors, and he walks out. I'm Tony Montana, motherfucker. When you hold, when you house them drugs, man. Right. Yeah. He was. Yeah. You can't. He would have bled to death by by <laughs> three a.m. anyway. But you can't. You can't. You couldn't really have told him to, that. You can't even come to nothing though, right? Principles, man. We got to have principles. We have to live and die by our principles. But they have to be the right things. They have to be the principles that make people respect you for what you stand for. Not for what color you're wearing, not for what the color of your skin is, not because of the job that you have, but because of the way you carry yourself. And I don't care what you do for a living. Everybody can command the respect of their community. I don't care what you do for a living. It's never a good idea to be cocky and expect to be respected. You can be cocky when you earn it. But people need to know you deserve it first. Yeah. That's where I stand, man. And I try my hardest to never come off as cocky. People might think this shit is cocky. Who who can sit and talk for an hour and a half? Yeah. I don't know. I can. Not because I think I got something to say worth listening to, but because I got something to say and it might be worth listening it to. Might be worth That's for you to decide, to. not yeah. me. All right. That's it. Thanks for listening in, folks. This is AG Convos. AG's Convos. We gonna show you how the world goes. AG's Convos. We gonna show you how the world goes.